0: Welcome to the Sermon B-Side podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Liberty Church Sermon B-Side podcast. My name is Matt Luloyan and sitting in alongside me today is Bob, Bada Bing, Carvella, Bob, uh, not your first time on the podcast, but first time in a while.
1: Yeah, long time. I, I, I went back and reviewed uh, the the, t- the game video, tape. Yeah, sure. the game tape from last time. I did I say something? Did I not say something? We, we actually were months. gonna
0: we were gonna wait to bring it up till we were on the air. <laughs> but yes, yes, you did say something, Bob. So that's why you've been benched for a while. But we I thought, know I can be edgy <laughs> sometimes. So it was that Bob Carvella edge. It yeah. was that just you know. Shock jock Bob Carmella <laughs> always bringing something that, that offends everybody. You we never had, know. Oh, right? Yep. Yeah. We have had quite the uh, rotation on the B-Side podcast. Yes. Uh, between different people preaching and then different people hosting. It's been really fun to have different voices on the podcast. But... Yeah,
1: it's it's been a good season here. I've been enjoying the podcast. I think the Bible studies have been getting a lot out of it. And yeah. Nice to hear different voices, you know. Definitely. Oh. No offense to Steve, miss his <laughs> miss his dulcet tones this his morning. dulcet but,
0: tones, yeah, yes, indeed. Uh, but we're glad to have you back, Bob. Yeah, good to be back. Yeah, and um, I got to preach yesterday from First John four, so want to kick it over to you and wherever you think we should go first, let's go there first. Yeah, I I was at the eight thirty service, and I, I
1: I know that service. I you know I I've been coming here for. Just a few months shy of the whole history of liberty. Yeah. And I would have, I, I would count yesterday among the most impactful services and sermons that I, I can remember Mm. in, in quite some time and maybe over the whole history. Just, Mm. I think, I think that your sermon, uh, and the, the emphasis on God's love and understanding God's love, um, Really struck a chord with me, and I think a, a lot of other people. I thought mm. Shay did a wonderful job uh, through the liturgy. Mm. I thought the Chris and the and the worship team uh, were were really on. I, mm-hmm. I just it was really impactful morning for me. and and taking a break uh, during your sermon to pray as mm. you did and and mm. thinking ahead to the summer and our sermon series on prayer and i I just saw a lot of things and and experienced a lot of things yesterday that were really impactful so i I just I hope that that was the case for a lot of people I know it was for me that's
0: really encouraging that's that was the hope it was um yeah it's interesting so we' we're talking about this actually with our residents this morning at our meeting because um, they they had similar feedback about specifically the um, pausing to pray in the service being a you know an abnormal thing Um Probably something we should do and I should do more often than that because um, there was certainly some feedback that that was really encouraging and, and was a blessing to a lot of people. Uh, it was interesting, too, and, and continued area of growth for us as a church, we're not the most uh, responsive group of people. Right. Um, and I'm not necessarily even saying, you know, not even necessarily like talking back to the preacher when they're, when they're preaching or – in our, in our musical worship, but even, um, there weren't a whole lot of people who took us up on the invitation to come back and be prayed for yesterday, uh, which was a, a something we did in the same vein of saying we, yes. you know, if, if really you're struggling to grasp the love God has for you, we would love to pray over you for that. Um, so I, I walked away yesterday with kind of a, a, a question of, Okay, I really felt God like you had had impressed upon my heart in preparing the sermon that that really there were there were people at Liberty that needed to hear um just a a, a real emphasis on God's love for them and and not one and then kind of wondering like I wonder what that was not seeing maybe an immediately hmm. visible response mm-hmm. but then getting a couple of people reaching out and saying that that was really impactful to them and even starting to hear a few stories of Steve, when he was leading communion yesterday, invited people to even pray with each other during that time and not necessarily even have to come to the back if they weren't comfortable. And, and some people did that. Yeah, And that would be, gosh, that would be even a far better uh, result of of this if it becomes an ongoing thing for us in the life of our church to more and more feel um, like we can ask for prayer and like we can step into to another person's life and just pray for them in the moment uh, and really ask God to, to and the Spirit of God to minister to them. Uh, that would be... That would be incredible. So, yeah, um, yeah.
1: I I actually had this thought. Maybe maybe we'll get there someday, maybe sooner rather than later. But, you know, it it seems very natural to us during the worship service to break for passing the peace. Yeah. And to extend God's welcome Mm. to the people around us to maybe start to uh, the process of reconciliation or whatever. Yeah. It occurred to me, wouldn't it be wonderful if during communion it would be that natural for us to go up to somebody sitting around us or whatever and just, just start praying. Yeah. You know, for people that you know need prayer, for people to be willing to invite prayer. Yeah. Uh, and just that that would be part of, of the rhythm of our church during, during communion. Just that yeah. people are, I, I'm glad people sing and, and, uh, after they receive communion or before and, and, uh, we should continue to do that. But man, it would be great if also that was a time when people gathered to pray with each other yeah. and for each other. I think that would be really sweet.
0: It's really good. We we talk about this as elders sometimes, um, and that these are these are healthy tensions to, that exist in the church where as elders, we serve in a priestly role. We're, we're, we're seeking to be those that do minister uh, from the word and prayer, especially as elders mm-hmm. to, to the people that God's entrusted to our care at Liberty. But there's also very clearly in the New Testament, the priesthood of all believers, Um, even language that that God through the prophets in the Old Testament applied to his people. Israel being a kingdom of priests gets applied to the church in the New Testament. So Peter Mm -hmm. writes about we're a kingdom of priests to God. And um, that's even a great way to express that. It's like we have people available in the back. Our elders do, do things like prayers of the people and pray during sermons or after sermons or during communion. Um, there's a priestly role that we want to continue to play, play as leaders, but also invite people to, to that priesthood of Mm -hmm. believers and to minister to each other out of that. So that's a, that was a great way of expressing that. Sure.
1: For sure. And then, you know, along those lines, just a reminder, uh, we have bi-monthly prayer meetings, uh, Sunday, every couple of Sundays a month at six o'clock. Would love to have a lot more people come to that and, and pray for the needs of our people as well as our region and our world, hmm. some of the ministry partners that we have, and, and also just spend some time praising God together with our brothers and sisters. So always glad to have more people come to that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we got a couple questions in from yesterday.
1: Yeah, before we, we go there, yeah. how about if you take 60, 90 seconds yeah. or so, just do a brief recap of, of the points that you covered yesterday, and and if there were some things that you would have liked to have covered mm-hmm. that just time did not allow, I think that'd be great to to hear.
0: Yeah. Um, so talking about God's love, it's the third and final discourse that the Apostle John writes about love in this letter. Uh, Thirty different times he says the word love or some derivation of it in these few verses. Which you know, John is known as like the Apostle of Love. Like he he writes a lot about about this topic in his Gospel and then in this in his letters. So it's saying something to say that like this is the most densely part densely packed part of John's letter about love when it's John. It's saying something. <laughs> so that's what this text was. We looked at yesterday, 1 John 4, 7 through 21. We broke it down and looked at looked at it in three parts. Love's person, really looking at the idea that God is love. It's not just something that God does. He's not just loving, but he part of his essence is that he is love. That defines love for us. Um, and it also teaches us that, that any love that we're going to show is the result and overflow of a relationship with him. Uh, so that was love's person, love's primacy. John emphasizes three different times in here that, that it's God's love that goes first. Hmm. It's, it's, um, he's the one that initiates the relationship of love with us, that we can only love because he first loved us. Uh, there's some there's some verses in this section in particular that are some of the most memorable in First John. Like if you've ever memorized a verse from First John, it, it very well might be in this section. First um, John 4:19. We love because He first loved us. First John 4:10. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So that initiation, that primacy of God's love, um, and that's then where we spent a ton of time. Just really, you know, from a from an application standpoint. Um, just really trying to help people grasp, like this really is true. Like God really does love you. Hmm. Um, God's love really is for you. Verse sixteen is this, I think, understated but immensely impactful verse in this section, uh, where John just says, "So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us." Like that. Like if we could actually say that with a straight face. Yeah. If we could actually really come to know and believe the love God has for us, that that is such a a life altering reality
1: absolutely um, and
0: and to be able
1: to say that regardless of the circumstances uh, that we are going through at any particular time right it, it's it's an easy easy it's one thing to say it when when skies are blue yeah. and all that sort of thing but then when you go through difficult storms of life which we all do yeah to be able to walk through those things knowing and believing, Um, that God is love and that he loves us. That's just a total game changer in those circumstances.
0: It really is. And it's just that that's the verse that maybe jumped out more than any in this in this passage in in studying last week. So we spent a lot of time there. That was even where we kind of broke in the middle of the sermon just to pray uh, for people. And then the the third point uh, loves perfection, which is a main main theme of what John's writing at in this whole letter, but also in this text that we are called to love one another uh, because of the love that we've been shown by God. So he has loved us. We are loved by God. And then out of the overflow of that response to that, we love each other. Uh, so love's perfection hit that God's love is actually perfected or brought to completion uh, in us. And in the way we we actually, this is the audacious part of that, that we actually get to make the otherwise invisible God visible Mm -hmm. through the way that we, that we love. So if I had more time, I think I would have taking even more time there to unpack yeah. a little bit more of that. We've, we've done that a little bit in some of the other parts of, of first John where he's talked about love. Yeah. Now uh, we've gotten a little bit more into the applications and outworkings of that. Um, so if there was more time, I think I would have, would have liked to delve into that or even didn't really get to touch on at all. The idea that, um, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear and the mm-hmm. idea that, um, That if we have confidence for the day of judgment and we're not fearful of what what God's going to say about us on the day that we stand before him, that's evidence that we've received the love of God. That's evidence that we are living in the love of God. Uh, Whereas if we're fearful about the day of judgment, we're not sure what, what God would say to us. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a, that's a, a, at a minimum a a warning light on the dashboard, a blinking light on the dashboard of like, we should, we should attend to our relationship with God there in a way that that we need to. So I didn't even really get to, to go into that part yeah, at all. Yeah. But that's where if I had more time, would love to do more on that. That
1: that's really Very good. You know, one thing that I thought of, uh, kind of combining those last two points. One of the ways that we can express love to each other, um, is by being the one to go first and and start to connect with somebody. And I yeah. I thought of it in particular. We've we've talked and tried to figure out for some time about how uh, we can pair up or match older brothers and sisters with younger yeah. brothers and sisters and mentoring relationships yeah. uh, mentoring maybe the older to the younger but also younger to the older just caring for them yeah. and for their needs that are are different than now than they were when they were younger and hmm. and thinking about you know what the the struggle is for somebody to go first yeah so i i would just really encourage folks if there's a younger person that you know yeah or an older person that you know within liberty and and you think man it would be great to get to know Mm -hmm. them better be the one to go first yeah um this week or over the next couple weeks take weeks take the initiative to to connect with that person and and start to have a cup of coffee and just see what God might have for that relationship. So
0: that's a good word. That's a really good word. And, and, and certainly, um, even could start to happen even in your Bible study group this week, aspects of that idea of going first, um, whether it's from vulnerability and transparency standpoint, um, yeah, whether it's expressing your, your appreciation of someone, you know, um, yes, it, we, you know even the one another's and piggybacking on what in, in our men's retreat in the fall and then our mm-hmm. one day in the spring, the idea of how much we need to encourage one another and uh, honor one another and how that's particularly for men not always an intuitive thing. Right, it makes a huge difference when someone goes first and is willing to to uh, to set the tone for yeah. for that. That's yeah. really, that's a really good application point.
1: Well, we did get a couple questions, uh, so why don't we dive into those and and see see where they take us here. Sure, yeah. Uh, first one here. Uh, my question is about John first John four twenty, which reads, If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. So that's the verse. The question is, what are the meanings for the words love and hates in this verse? Are they emotions or actions, or are they really both? Uh, The questioner then goes on to say, my first thought when I read this verse is that there are Christians, brothers whom I have seen, or sisters, who frankly annoy me. Hmm. So it seems much more doable to love God whom I have not seen. Mm -hmm. How should I be thinking about this verse? And is it maybe even the case that uh he who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen does not love God whom he has not seen hmm. and How,
0: as opposed to cannot yeah, as opposed to cannot Interesting. Is, is
1: that are we really not loving God,
0: yeah. Yeah, so the the words. I mean, maybe we'll start there. The words for love and hate. Um, the the word for love. There's multiple words for love in the New Testament in the Greek original language. This one is the, the word agape, uh-huh. um, which does have uh, an emotional component to it. So it's not just the um, it's not just the action sense of the word love, where it's putting love into practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, there's deep affection. There's affection. Yeah. Agape has a, a real connotation of affection mm-hmm. um, to it. And, and the, the word for hate in Greek that kind of is butted up against that in this verse is similarly like a feeling, a sense of, of hatred for someone, mm-hmm. not just acting in a way that is hateful mm-hmm. or spiteful toward them. So I would say it's both emotions and actions. Mm-hmm. I would say, um, and this is some of the tension that we experience in the Christian life on multiple fronts, is like, are we are we doing the right thing because we know it's the right thing to do? Or are we doing the right thing because we actually desire the right thing? Is it actually coming from a deep soul level, heart level yes. motivation sense or is it of just
1: love or joy
0: or whatever? Exactly. Yeah. Or is it just yeah. obedience and discipline solely mm-hmm. when it is, we should still do it. Like we, hmm. we can't let our emotions dictate uh, obedience. I mean, we don't, you know, just like with when, when we're kids growing up in our parents' house or our, Kids are growing up in our house. <laughs> um, we don't kind of let them decide if they're going to be obedient or not based on if they, f- if they feel that at the moment or not. They, yeah. it's just obedience is obedience even in those moments that you don't feel it and you, you do it because you trust that it's right and because you've been told that it's the right, it's the right way to live. Mm-hmm. Um, I think where it would be, a, it would be dangerous to just be going through actions and, and outward expressions of love, doing self sacrificial things for another person's benefit if you never were also getting to the place of experiencing affection for them. And um, so I would say it's, it's both. Uh, I think one thing that we, you know, if we again had more time in the sermon yesterday, we could have delved into is I think this is also a great, uh, this is a great place to go when you're wrestling either yourself or with, with others that you care about it. If, if people are experiencing a, a desire to still love Jesus, and, and be a follower of Jesus and love God, but are really struggling with like the church or maybe the institutional aspect of the church, or they, they essentially start to, to, to get to a place where functionally they're like, I just want to have a relationship with Jesus and kind of do that by myself and not really be in community with other people. Yeah. This is a great passage to go to, to kind of recalibrate our thinking and say, it's not actually how it's, how it works. It's in, and some people have said it kind of, you know, tongue in cheek, like you, you can't love Jesus and hate his wife. Like the, the, the church yeah, yeah. being the bride of Christ, yes. right? That's the metaphor in scripture that one of them the church is the bride of Christ. You, you can't love Jesus and hate his wife. It's a, it's a package deal in mm-hmm. essence. And, and that's what John's even really saying in a blunt way here. If you, if you don't love the people that you do see around you, the flesh and blood men and women that you're in community with,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you cannot love the God you know, you do not love the God whom you have, whom you have not seen. Yeah,
1: yeah. And at that point, it's time to start by reevaluating your relationship with God, and and figure out, you know, what's going on here. Um, am I? Is there something about His Word that I'm not understanding or not? Yeah. Uh, appropriating for myself, or uh, you know, uh, really start right. there, and then figure out why it's not. Uh, translating to the way that we uh, interact with our brothers and sisters. Yeah. Uh, maybe one, I I hope this isn't the case, but what occurred to me is maybe one uh, check mm-hmm. of this is when, if you're on one of the deacon serving teams or whatever, and, yeah. a, and a need comes out. Yeah. If your first action is to look and see who has the need, hmm. and that is the basis of deciding whether or not you in, involve yourself or not. Huh. That might be a red flag right there. That sure. you know, why why am I doing this? It shouldn't mm-hmm. matter who needs the need, who who has the need. It's yeah. that our brother and sister has a need. Yeah, whether it's moving help or I know we have somebody right now who really has a need for rides to church. Yeah, um, and you know maybe it's somebody who we don't know. A lot of people don't know. Yeah, but. Uh, they could still use some help, and and it's a way that we can express love for that person.
0: That's really good. Yeah. yeah. So as a, as opposed to the first the first line being like, "Am I available? Can right. I? You know, like, am you know, God isn't asking me to be the responder to every need that comes up. Sure. So I'm already maybe no. meeting these other needs, but that but if it's if it's it almost starts to get into that partiality yes. stuff that James talks about too, where it's like we. Where we're a respecter of persons in the negative sense of like, if someone is like an important person to me, I, I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice to make it work for them. If, yeah. they're, if they're not important or unknown to me, yep. I'll be like, well, that's you know, nah, <laughs> doesn't really it doesn't really help me any, so I'm not gonna right. do that.
1: And certainly, there can be all kinds of reasons why we can't meet a particular need, mm-hmm. but if one of those reasons is because of the person who has the need, yeah, that that that's that's a time to check yourself and.
0: It's really good. I think that's, yeah, that's it. On the one hand, I can totally appreciate this. I think this is a great question that, um, it is in a sense easier to love God whom we have not seen because, um, and this is, you know, hopefully our concept of God is as accurate as possible because we've really learned who God is from what he's revealed through his word. Like we've, we're really studied in scripture. We've studied who God is. We're, we're, you know, we're in a relationship with him. Um, but one of the reasons it's easier to love God in, in that sense, it feels easier to love God, is because um, we don't have the immediate mirror in front of us that that reflects back um, like where we're actually falling short. Like in human, human relationships are so sanctifying. Yes. Um, you know, and people talk about, you know, parenthood is certainly saying is incredibly sanctifying. Marriage is incredibly sanctifying. But friendship is incredibly oh, sanctifying. Yes. Any relationships that you're actually in that have substance are really sanctifying. And so it is harder uh, in the one sense to um, it's harder to uh, to be in a relationship with a flesh and blood person because there's there is an immediate um, feedback loop of like the, the, I'm either like doing this well or not doing this well. Um, whereas with God, we don't automatically have this like right in front of us, mirror feedback loop that's right there. Right. Um, so on. It feels like to our minds it's easier to love God. So John's calling out here. It's actually the opposite of that. Like right. it's it should be actually way easier for us to love our brother and sister whom we do see. Yes. And in some ways, this is also kind of a, a gut check to say like, what is the image of God that you actually have? The concept of God that you have in your mind, because mm-hmm. you might have a you might have a false one. Like if like if your God is just propping you up and affirming everything that you want to okay. affirm about yourself, like you you've you probably made God in your image rather yes. than being made his, you know? Right, and right, and right. so there's a, there's even a gut check kind of built into this to say, um, am I thinking rightly about the God who is actually there? Mm-hmm. Because that God is love. That's a really important part for me to grasp. And as he is love, he is calling me to respond in love to the flesh and blood people I have seen. So yeah. if I'm not doing that there, like you said, you go back to like, what's off about my relationship with God? Yeah. What's up? Maybe what's off maybe even about my concept of God, yes. my understanding of who God is. Right, right. Because something's probably off there yeah. too. Good.
1: That's good. Well, we got one more question. Let's uh, let's dive into that one. Yeah. Even after years of studying God's love, being taught about his love, and being told with earnestness that he loves us deeply, why do you think people struggle to know and experience it? In other words, trying to believe harder that he loves me hmm. out of the same broken and warped paradigm still leaves us wanting. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some more practical and or functional reasons we struggle to know and experience God's love and how to begin the process of addressing that uh,
0: at a root level? Yeah, it's really good. And I think, too, um, is this, this came from the same person, right? Like the, a few examples that came to mind. Uh, would be like, and I think this is spot on, I think this is really insightful, Uh, marriage or family relational dynamics, Mm -hmm. like the family you grew up in, Yeah. Um, punitive or or legalistic parental messaging, uh, persistent messaging that's antithetical to God's love, communicated throughout your life. If you've experienced trauma and intense forms of suffering, bullying, um, even like bad theology or bad teaching, I think all of those things could be major reasons why Uh, There's just a lot of like scar tissue that builds up around the human heart. Mm -hmm. Um, It's unavoidable because we live in a broken, sinful world with broken, sinful people who hurt each other. So we all have been relationally wounded and we've all uh, received messages at some point or another that that communicate sometimes very overtly and directly that we're not lovable. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's subtle. And then we have our own, we have our own personalities and we have our own experiences that then shape this too. Um, I really have appreciated Kurt Thompson's work. He's a he's a Christian psychiatrist based in DC. He's written a couple books called The Anatomy of the Soul and The Soul of Shame. And in the soul of shame, in particular, he talks a lot about what's called the shame attendant. Hmm. And that each of us, you know, in our in our in our soul, in our mind, the immaterial part of us has. A voice that that essentially is the per, is the the voice that's always saying to us and reinforcing this message of you're not enough, you don't measure up, no matter how well you're doing yeah. at this, you're doing you're not doing well enough for sure. And that shame attendant can come into existence um, from a, mo- a variety of different means. It often does have uh, a human relational source to it. It usually does come from someone significant in your life who has said something like that or at least who has not said the opposite of that, who has kind of created an environment where it's like, you just, uh, you're never going to quite measure up to my expectations or standard of you. And it starts to become cemented as a voice in, in our minds and in our, our hearts. So I think that's, that is wherever that's come from. And I think this, this person has given a really good list of potential places. Yeah. Um, I think that is one of the, maybe the primary reason Um, that we struggle to believe that God really loves us, Mm -hmm. that we really, that there really is a being out there who is perfect, who knows us completely and yet loves us completely. uh, And who, who does say to us, um, you are not only lovable, but you are loved and Mm -hmm. I love you Um, through and through to the end of your life, to the end of your sin, to like, I love you through all of that. Um, We just don't have, a human example that's anywhere close to that uh that it makes it just such a hard leap for us to get there when it comes to to that being true of God yeah,
1: yeah and i think a lot of us i know for myself from the theological background that i have it's real it's real easy and familiar to think about our our sin and our guilt yeah and we have that picture of the courtroom setting where yep you know, we're declared not guilty and, you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah. I think the shame is uh, more of a challenge for us. That's not a category that we, um, that at least I have uh, really uh, dived deeply into. It's much more the guilt and the sin and, and that sort of thing. But the shame just carries on and on from, you know, things that happen from, the earliest years uh, of your life just continue to to shape the way you think about God and the way you think about yourself, yeah. Yeah. and and to be able to begin to think about ourselves the way God thinks about us, as we read hmm. here in First John, yeah, um, and and to be able to encourage one another in that way would really be incredibly life giving and life changing. Oh, I, I,
0: absolutely. And I, I think that's even a great way to continue to pray for each other, whether in your family, in your Bible study groups, in your, among your friends, like a, a prayer that, that would say, I, you know, like for Bob, for me to pray for you, like, father, I pray that Bob would see himself the way that you see him. Hmm. Um, and I, you know, and, and for me to pray for myself, for other people too, like, get, help me see people the way you see them, because, because there really is this is where these things are so connected to. And even the call to love one another in the Christian community mm-hmm. ends up being one of the most healing things that helps us actually believe that God loves us too. Mm-hmm. If we can actually get to the place of, of, of loving each other with the affection and, and the action, but yes. the affection in particular mm-hmm. um, will really actually start to heal some of the wounds that are there, not perfectly in this life, but, but substantially and significantly mm-hmm. by the, by the power of the spirit um, even to go back to Kurt Thompson's work in the soul of shame, the only remedy to shame is, is the, you know, is vulnerability. It's actually saying, huh. I'm going to now go ahead and put my real, honest, authentic life and self out there to be known by other people. And which is the, which is the very thing that, that shame tells you, you can't do. Mm-hmm. Like the right. sh- shame is saying, if you did that, if anybody knew, they would run away. They yeah. wouldn't be here. But the only remedy to healing shame is to, to actually step into that vulnerability and then to have other people actually on the other side of that say, Hey, you know what? I don't think anything less of you for saying that. Right. I, I love you. I respect you, man. That is substantial. And if I can be helpful in like addressing that in your life, I want to do that. But I just, you know, but for someone to be able to hear that um, and to say, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm with you in this. Um, that's, on a human standpoint, that is how we show love to one another and very specifically how we show the love of the, uh, the father to one another in our relationships. And maybe, and maybe over time get to the place where we actually can believe that, um, that God does love us the way that, the way that he does, the way that John writes that he does. Oh yeah. yeah.
1: And just, you know, I was thinking the very same thing. If, if we can be a body of believers who can say with, all authenticity. I'm not going anywhere. Yep. Man,
0: that that uh, I think we have a lot of that, but boy, we could always use more. Could always use more and it 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 takes even some reps to do this, but to actually hmm. say to other people in your Christian community, I love you. Yeah. With um without feeling like an awkwardness of that. It might it probably will feel awkward until it becomes something that you do more often and especially until you actually do feel that affection for other people right. in Christian community. Um, I, we saw that Bob modeled really well. I think a couple of weeks ago when a handful of us were in Oklahoma city for a pastor's gathering and um, Steve Huber, among some of the other pastors that put that gathering together, uh, when they would kind of bring introduce each other up to the front, they would kind of they really honored each other, yes. and they often would even say in that, "Hey, like, and I really love you." Like, yeah. I really and that that stood out to me as like, man, that's that's not automatically the way that the, the Christian community does things in right. the everyday life, but we should, but, yes. but we should. And uh, I thought that was a really beautiful example, even modeled for us, modeled for me, for sure, um, recently. Yeah, so that's. Yeah. That's even another practical thing to take maybe from this text in First John. And as you as you continue to work this out in Bible study groups this week, um, to even invite people to, to, to share where they might struggle to really believe the love God has for them. I, I threw out a few categories in the sermon yesterday. The, the moral struggle, like if you are battling more the guilt of sin uh-huh. and just feeling like God couldn't possibly love me if he knew this about me, knew this dark part of my past or present. He knows that, so how could he love me? Um, there's the identity level, just, just a real entrenched, uh, sense that of shame that I just don't measure up. And that could come from any of these sources that this person, this questioner included or others. Um, there was the, the circumstantial, like just, I'm going through stuff in my life right now. I don't know how God can be loving and this be happening or someone that you care about. It's not you yourself, uh, or just overall, like a lot of us just are too content to live a life of of dialing the emotions back completely to the point almost like a stoicism like yes. we just go it's too hard to live with an with an open heart so i'm just going to shut that part of myself off, off. Yeah. Uh, live you know out of my head and my hands do a bypass around the heart not even try to bother with the emotional part of life and we it's you know I tried to say this yesterday in the sermon. It's not the most important part of what it means to be human. Our emotions aren't the most important part, but they are absolutely part of what it means to be human. Yeah. And so to functionally live as you know two thirds of a human being, um, and to numb ourselves to all emotion is also going to hinder our, our ability to receive the love that God has for us. Mm-hmm. Let alone the love for for each other that we're meant yeah. to express. No doubt. So, good. Well.
1: Any other last closing thoughts before we wrap things up for today?
0: I don't think so. I think, uh, yeah, I, I feel like I'm even going into my Bible study group this week with a lot of fodder for discussion. Mm-hmm. And even even maybe that would be one thing to close on, too, is is if this is not already a part of the culture of your Bible study group, um, include prayer for each other in in your Bible study yeah. group. And even use this week as an opportunity to, at the end of the day, The only way we will really believe the love God has for us, that verse 16, you know, that we have come to know and believe the love God has for us is, is when the spirit of God opens our heart to actually receive it, to actually, to actually believe that that's true. So pray that over each other in the specific ways that people maybe are struggling to believe it. Just pray that, that the Holy Spirit would do powerful and miraculous work, um, to enable someone to, to receive that. Amen. Amen.
1: Well, it was great being back. Hopefully, I won't have another eight-month probation here, whatever it was. <laughs> we'll, we'll see, Bob. We'll, we'll the see. viewers That's will tell the <laughs> Or the listeners will tell the tale.
0: They will tell the tale. No, it's great to have you back, Bob. Uh, and great to be with all of you guys this week. Uh, have a, a great time in your Bible study group discussions. And we will be back next week. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources, information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.